0: Good morning and welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda Davis. I'm Linda Davis. Before we dive into God's word today, just a little about myself. I love Jesus, I love coffee, and I love sharing keys to abundant living. So if you don't already have a cup of coffee, go grab one and join me today as we talk about truly living in Him, in Christ. What does that look like? How do we know we're really in Him? How do we know we're not in Him? We're in ourselves, but we want His benefits. Are we truly lost in Him? Are we in relationship with Christ, with God for His goodness? Or are we in relationship with Christ to become whole, to be transformed and remain transformed? That's what being in him is. Are we in relationship with God for what he can do for us, like materialistic wise or relationship wise? You know, uh, are we a beneficiary of his goodness? Uh, Are we benefiting from our relationship with God in our lives being, quote unquote, happy? Like God's blessed me with this. God gave me this. God's so good because of this. No, God's good because he loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us. That's God's goodness. And that's what transforms us. His goodness being in him, being really genuinely becoming that new creation in Christ and remaining in that place is that we begin to become like him. And what does that mean being like him? That means nothing can hurt us. Nobody can disappoint us. Nothing can frustrate us. We won't have resentment. We won't have bitterness. It won't be there because we are in him. They can't disappoint us because we love no matter what. We love unconditionally because we are in him. We know who we are to him. I'm not saying we don't experience feelings. I'm not saying we don't have momentary afflictions, so to speak. I believe Jesus had those. I believe he was disappointed. I believe he was frustrated with his disciples at times, right? When Jesus was in one of his most difficult moments and he had asked the disciples, three of his disciples, to pray and he went a little further and he prayed and he came back and what happened? They were sleeping. What does he ask Peter? Uh, And I'm paraphrasing. Can you not even keep watch with me for one hour? I'm sure he was disappointed. The difference when we truly know that we are here to be transformed in Christ to be completely a reflection of him and like him to others, we won't stay there. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay frustrated at his disciples. He was disappointed for a moment, but he went back to what he was doing, right? He went back to pray again. Then he comes back and what are they doing again? They're sleeping again. He found them asleep again. This is in Matthew 26, right? (laughs) This time he doesn't even bother. He just leaves them and he goes away again and he prays for his third time. And actually the first time when he spoke to them, He was frustrated more for his concern with their souls, which says a lot. When he says to them in um, Matthew 26, verse 40, "'What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation.'" The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's given a warning here. You got to stay awake. You got to stay in prayer. You have to be contending. Your flesh is weak. Your spirit is always willing. Yes, I see that in you, but your flesh is weak. So you got to continue on. And what did they do? They fell back asleep. Second time, he didn't even wake them up. All that to say, people in our lives with the best intentions are going to disappoint us. Are we going to hold on to the disappointment in our flesh because that's what we're doing if we hold on to it in our flesh? Or are we going to release it, let it go, and walk in forgiveness with them? I would encourage you to ask the Lord to increase your awareness, I guess, uh, show you your awareness of any resentful feelings you're harboring because they will lead to nothing else else But resentment, and they will lead to unforgiveness. And that will draw you not only further away from the people you can't forgive, but further away from the Lord. It's imperative that we walk in forgiveness to others. And we have to be aware that we're in unforgiveness. And how do we do that? We ask the Lord to increase our awareness of resentment settling in. We don't want resentment to settle in. I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this myself, we pray for things, we pray for circumstances, and we even pray for people to change instead of asking Jesus to help us become more like him. Because you know why? And and really, it's the devil getting us nothing but distracted about what's happening around us, what's happening to us, what's not happening for us, we're so distracted with all that that we're not seeking Him. We're not seeking to be in Him and rest in that place in Him. And the reason that distraction is there, getting us to look to the left, is because when we're more like Him, when we're just simply seeking Him, we begin to see like He sees, And we begin to respond like he responds. That's powerful. Remember, love takes no record of wrongdoing. That's biblical. That's what the word of God says. As he is, so are we in this world. He took and kept no record of wrongdoing. Instead, he was on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's powerful. Can we walk in that level of keeping no record of wrong? We can walk in that level of forgive them for they know not what they do. We can't be impacted by people's actions. Now, I'm not saying you become a doormat either. I'm not saying you open the door to continued hurt over and over and over again. No, you don't do that, but you don't hang on to it. You don't act like somebody owes you something. They actually don't. And when we get to that place where I'm just in love with the Lord, I want to be a reflection of the Lord. Do I have disappointments? Do I have hurts? Yes, but I process them quickly in him so I can release that person so they're free to be who God designed them to be. And I'm free to be who God designed me to be, keeping nobody captive through our unforgiveness by our expectations that somebody else just is not going to meet. We're looking to them to be our fulfillment. Truthfully, your real level of love for someone is shown through the difficult times, shown through how you respond in difficult situations, how you respond when you're hurt, how you respond to mistakes being made, how you respond to wrongdoings, how are you responding to those? Are you getting resentful or are you putting it to the Lord, asking him to show you the truth of the situation? He's the one that knows the truth of the situation. He's the one we should be asking for counsel and wisdom. How do I handle this? How do I respond to this? Lord, help me to keep my heart pure. God's goodness is not based on the circumstances of our life and our love for someone should not be based on, on their behavior and their actions in our life it should be an unconditional love now again don't mistake that for allowing someone to come in and hurt you over and over again there's there's a difference there sometimes you do have to love from a distance because of repeated behavior i guess but Um, You got to always, always, always check your heart. Where does your heart stand in the matter? It's not even about the other person. If you're making it more about the other person, then there's an issue in your heart that you need to ask the Lord to show you the truth of. Remember, everything is contending for your heart. Who and what and or what, who and or what? Has your heart. Who should have your heart? All of your heart. The Lord God, right? Seek ye first. Seek my kingdom first, it is seek me first. Uh, uh, but what's one of the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Some translations say with all your might. But you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind, all of it. Everything in us flows from the condition of our heart. We're told above, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Because from your heart, everything flows from that place, right? And I'm paraphrasing that too, and that's in um, Proverbs chapter 4, where to guard our hearts? We gotta be able to recognize if something's stirring up in our heart that is not one of these things. Is it is, is our the love in our heart, is it patient or is it impatient? Is it kind or is it nasty? Is it no envy, no boasting? You can put pride in there too, or is it jealous? Is it bragging about how good it is? Let's just be real with ourselves. We're talking about the condition of our heart. Is our heart in him or is it in of ourselves? Where is our heart? It's vital for us to know this. Is it arrogant or humble? Is it rude at all? If we hear rudeness coming out of our mouth, we have to understand our heart is not in the right place. It doesn't matter. You can say, yeah, but you can say, you don't know. None of that matters. Our heart matters. Are we being rude even in our thoughts? How about this? Love does not insist on its own way. It doesn't insist on its own way. Love is not irritable or resentful. Are we walking in love? If we are walking in true love, we are in him. We cannot walk this without being in him. That's why we need him. That was the whole point of the 10 commandments in the Old Testament. It was to show the people, no matter how hard you try, no matter how quote unquote good you are, you're gonna fail on one of them. Now they had to make sacri- sacrifices. They had to sacrifice uh, some kind of animal to atone for their sin in the Old Testament. We have Jesus already having atoned for our sin in the New Testament. So we just seek him. We repent. We ask for forgiveness. We ask him to come in. Not only do we just repent, we ask him to come in and change our hearts, to give us a new heart, which he promises he will do. And sometimes we have to redo it because we have allowed ourselves to go back to the old man. So love also does not rejoice in any wrongdoing and only rejoices in the truth. And this is all in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I think like verses four through eight, but you can read the whole chapter. It's all about love. But love embrace, and it resists these things. Love resists resentment. It resists irritability. It resists being rude. Love is self-controlled. Love walks in the fruits of the Spirit if we are in Him. Another way of knowing if we are in love and in Him. Are we walking in joy? Not happiness because we feel good today, but a joy, a rested joy that brings peace. Are we walking in peace? Do we have patience? In all circumstances, are we responding in kindness? Do we extend goodness to all, not just who we pick and choose? Are we faithful? Do we have faithfulness? Are we a steady person? Do we remain steady? Do we have gentleness or are we harsh? Are we self-controlled? In other words, we don't do what our flesh wants to do. We don't say what our flesh wants to say. Instead, we allow the spirit to be increased in us, and we only say what the spirit would have us to say. That's being self-controlled. We only do what the spirit would have us do. That's being self-controlled. That's being in him. Nothing can overtake somebody that walks in the love And the fruit of the Spirit that we just talked about, being truly in Him. And you may be thinking, this is an impossible thing to do in and of ourselves. Absolutely, it is. None of us can do it. But you know what? Through Christ, in Christ, we can do all things right? He strengthens us. We cannot be conquered. We are more than conquerors. Philippians 4.13 tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can't be defeated. We don't have to live a life of defeat, meaning my relationships are all messed up. My finances are all messed up. My health is all messed up. Whatever the situation Whatever the focus might be, we don't have to walk in those things. We rest in him, knowing that through him, we can do all things. Through him, we're strengthened. Through him, we're more than conquerors. Through him, we can't be defeated because we're in him. People would have looked, people did look at Jesus on the cross and think he was defeated. It doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else. He was not defeated. We know that because we have hindsight. They did not know that. His disciples in that moment did not know that. It looked like they were fully defeated, but they hung on. And in just three days, they realized we actually have the victory, a greater victory than they ever even envisioned when they walked alongside of Jesus. And now through that, because Jesus didn't give in to the defeat, And now he lives in us and he empowers us. We can do all things through him by being in him.